Welcome to Stories with Shrinks, a podcast where we over-psychoanalyze characters from your favorite movies, TV, and media. I'm Tyler, he, him, his. I'm Jennifer, she, her, hers. And today, we're going to start with a disclaimer, because mm-hmm. we're going to be doing a, a, a little bit of a thing that has some controversy around it. Not because the actual thing is bad, but because one of the people who made it is not super hot, not great. Um, so we just want to say that, like, yeah, while we're doing uh, just to, you know, we're going to have no fanfare with it this time, unfortunately. But uh, we're doing Firefly, and uh, that is in no way us supporting Joss Whedon or his mistreatment of actresses over many, many years uh, mm-hmm. and all of those people who have been victims of his, you know, we want to you know, reach out, say lots of support. And also we want to support these like nerd things that we love. And right. also and the actors still... who put a lot of time and effort into the yeah. franchise to make it is what it was. Yeah. And the other crew members and like, mm-hmm. every, you know, everybody who built this thing and I, you know, there's a lot of love for it still, but yeah, we just not letting one bad person kind of get in the way of avoiding an entire franchise for us. Um, but I think being upfront about that at the beginning here, just like, we yeah, also, we don't support that dude and what he says. Not at all. And we don't make a profit and or there's no money going to him in the process of making this. So. Nope, not at all. <laughs> not at all. There's barely any money coming to us for making right. this. We don't make monies off of this and he won't make money off of this. So. Yeah. The glorious world of podcasting. This is for fun. <laughs> yeah, we do this for funsies. Um, all right. That being said, let's get back into it. So we are in the verse. We are hanging out. We are flying around. We are, you know, going from ship to ship. And there's lots of things like reavers and dudes with hands of blue and all sorts of bad just stuff out here in the in the wilderness. But that being said, Jen, if you could have any sort of job in this universe, what job would you want? What would you want to be doing? in this sort of you know universe of science fiction that has been set forward in the firefly serenity verse i feel like there's the gen answer and the practical answer like sure. jen would totally want to be on like a cool ship doing naughty stuffs and making troubles and misbehaving probably as like a medic kind of person mm-hmm. you have a lot of medical history knowledge background from personal experiences so i can actually you know do that cpr stuff um, but let's keep it real. I'm going to want to be safe and cushiony on a planet that's probably operated by the Alliance. <laughs> yeah. probably be a teacher or a therapist or someone just in a cushion office job. Or let's keep it real. I'd love to be a housewife. Just chilling. Yeah. Just there chilling you go. As a housewife. There you go. On a planet that isn't about to kill me. <laughs> there you go. I mean, yeah, I, I, one of the best episodes of the show is shindig and that's basically just like, like what do the rich people do all the time and it's like this is nice <laughs> actually actually this is nice that's always what's so funny because this is definitely like that post-revolution post-apocalyptic from a larger scale of the timeline of like world <laughs> ended we had to leave the planet and we always want to be like that hero that's on the grand adventure but let's keep it real in this kind of setting. I want to be safe and cushioned and not have to be constantly fighting for food and survival. That's fair. You know what? <laughs> totally fair. I think I would like, I like, I, I agree. There's like a practical side that just wants to be like, I just would just want to be safe somewhere. 
Yeah, um, I just want to have a house on a planet that's not yeah, getting like yeah. away from the the reavers. Like, yeah, yes, uh, yeah. I think they're called central planets in this one. I don't remember. I I do believe so. The central yeah. planets. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that that is sort of the very practical answer. If I so to go along with yours, so what I was more thinking is like, what role on the boat would you be doing rather than? Uh, you know, oh, I would be like medic. a Simon. I would be the yeah, medic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I think I'd probably, given what we know, like, flight looks like and engineering looks like, I'd probably be somebody like that, probably uh -huh. either working on the engine or flying the boat thing, um, because it does seem fairly technical, uh, yeah. and I do, I, and I like doing things with my hands, so, like, I feel like that would be sort of the thing. Like, the, the egotistical part of me would love to be the captain, but I just don't, I don't know if I'd be able to be that ruthless. <laughs> Um, so yeah, somebody who's like fixing stuff up, maybe. Yeah. Um, which is hilarious because that means we just switched. <laughs> uh -oh. We'd switch. Yeah, we would switch. You, oh, you want to yeah, be like be Simon, switching. I would be like Kaylee. <laughs> yes, and uh spoilers. Hey, <laughs> guess what? So there yeah. we go. Um, right. I was also thinking, like, you know, if we have a job on the ship and it's specifically Malship, we're specifically taking one of the characters. There is a really there's a there's a female on that boat who has lots of fun in a very moral way, and I'd be like, what about that? That'd be a fun job. <laughs> Being a companion. Being a companion would be a fun job. I mean, it's treated as if it's completely consensual. Like it's all completely consensual. It's work. all completely consensual with a very high regulations and a very high moral and medical and ethical standards within the companionship. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the thing, yeah, right? Let's legalize sex work. All right. Yes. So that's that's what we're the political stance of stories with shrinks. Um which is basically just it's we have lots of research that says lots of things that are real bad go away when you legalize sexual work. So Yeah, absolutely. So with all that said, I think there'd be a lot of fun positions. Um, yeah. With all that said, I think I need to be talking so that you can start talking. <laughs> Jen, I think you have a new client. <laughs> I do have a new client. And as Tyler so so said earlier, like we did kind of switch roles. Um, I am currently on board Serenity. Um, you know, sometimes you just don't really care where you're going. It's more about the journey. And I needed to get somewhere different from the planet I was on. So hopped on board the Serenity for a tour around the verse until I feel like leaving. But um, I was kind of apropos timing as um they've recently gone through a lot and there's actually just a lot of changes in the verse with information regarding the alliance and some of the things that they had done and their um and they were responsible for giving out that information but um one of the crewmen came to talk to me because she is struggling with some feelings she's really happy and really excited about where she is in life right now but is also dealing with a lot of survivor's guilt and really like upset and hard feelings regarding grief so i am working with 20 year old adult female cisgender heterosexual from my understanding kaylee fry she is the ship's mechanic and, and like engineer and um you know just even getting to meet her on the ship and getting to see how others interact with her she's a very kind trustworthy soul um you can tell that she sees the best in everyone around her and um is just a really light-hearted and it's kind of interesting to see her on the on the ship because 
she doesn't have the same gruff that some of the others have um but she is she's a pleasure to talk to and so she was coming to me asking just for an ear as she heard that my occupation was to talk and to help people work through their feelings um so she was telling me about how recently their their crew has been through a lot and even though one member wasn't on the ship recently they've lost two close crew family and confidants to themselves and she's struggling grieving through that while also feeling so alive and so happy and so relieved to finally be able to be with the person she loves and likes and wants to be with and together we are going to be talking about survivor's guilt and kind of the different nuances of that um giving her an opportunity to talk through her experiences within the past just year you know she said that when she got on board with Mal um, she was just looking for adventure and looking for change she was from a, a, a planet I might be pronouncing this incorrectly but Kawashi and uh, it was a kind of a smaller planet and didn't really have a lot of opportunity for jobs and she would help her dad out a lot with um, mechanic work when there was work and this gave an opportunity for her to to go explore the world but she never expected to be in the positions that she's been in when she was saying you know like she's been shot and almost died once and um, she was able to help the mechanic or help the helps serenity keep flying and have different times where they've almost lost each other and then most recently when they lost their pilot wash and they lost shepherd it hurt different and it felt different and that was the first time they really saw loss on their boat hit home and they've been through many close calls but hadn't really lost anyone before that close and then even just describing how because of their actions, how many of their allies were killed in the process and just feeling like, you know, why, why this all happened and what happened and it being outside of our control, but feeling like, was I not supposed to live as well? Like I shouldn't have made it out given the odds. We all kind of knew that this was an end of the road mission. And somehow I walked away from it. I walked away from it with someone who means something really close and really special to me now and someone that I'm now engaging in a relationship with. But I'm also seeing one of my dearest friends grieve her husband. Mm -hmm. And how do I balance being happy and giddy and her very Kaylee self while wanting to be there for her friend and giving her a space to talk through that and talking about what it means to feel guilty and what it means to feel excited at the same time. So a lot of what we would be doing is one, just talking about what is it like to hold two thoughts at once and how we can have two very honest and true thoughts at the same time and two feelings at the same time and how to hold a space for both truths and not almost gaslighting ourselves in the process of it 
and not saying like, oh, we'll be fine. Everything will be fine. We'll get through this. It's okay if it's not fine. It's okay if we're upset. It's okay if we're really sad while also with someone who makes us really happy and being able just to provide that space for her. And, you know, uh, she does kind of present in a very younger manner. She is only 20 years old. She's just starting her adulthood and hasn't really had, like she said, any formal schooling or trainings on things. So just giving her an opportunity to learn emotional vocabulary of empathy and so much that already is so innate to her and talking to her about like yes you have a way with machinery and mechanics but it seems like you're also a person who is just more um, empathetic and sensitive and those are superhero traits in a lot of ways and giving her opportunity to feel strong with her bigger feelings and then on like the secondary end of it talking about her new relationship and what it's like to go through so much with somebody and not know someone's feelings and then that be a reason to want to live as she was saying like when Simon finally told her that like sex was on the table it's like well I was gonna I wasn't gonna let myself die like I wanted (laughs) I wanted this and talking about just being so sex positive in general and like talking to her about um if there's any um, questions she has or medical concerns she has and, you know, her ally with Inara. Her friendship and allyship and um, her relationship with Inara and how they've helped, how she has helped Kaylee learn more about herself and her um, sensuality and her sexuality and uh, just giving her another space to vocalize and verbalize that and you know how to talk to Simon about needs and wants and how to communicate desire and how to communicate um, those next stages of your relationship and being able to cultivate a healthy adult relationship now that things are settled again um, and give her a space to to have fun talking about that because I don't think she would have a lot of spaces on board to talk about that where she felt like she wasn't hurting somebody else. And, you know, how to even be able to talk about your relationship and be open about your relationship while grieving and helping another person aboard grieve and not feel guilty about that. And giving her space to feel confident in her relationship while also being confident as a friend. Um, but I think that would be like what we would be talking about. It would be a lot of like just kind of process oriented therapy and not so much like, okay, yes, these are our goals, but also our primary goal is to give a space to just grow in this new chapter of our life. We all on board Serenity together. Excellent. Yeah. I think it's such an interesting, uh, place to pick up on her story also mm-hmm. it's an interesting choice to do that last bit uh the bit that we never got i think was sort of the idea right um, like what would happen to, the next day <laughs> yeah and then expand upon that right yeah like, um i mean zoe is grieving mm-hmm. and you're kind of tromping around with simon now like 
Yeah. Don't well, not only like that, showing off. <laughs> yeah, Zoe and Wash are kind of the emotional rock of yes. the of Serenity throughout the the series and the movie. And so, mm-hmm. when that is shaken, now what happens? Now what happens? Right. Like I love the line at the end where like Zoe's like, "Oh, she'll she'll fly again." Mm-hmm. But like, it's that metaphor of like, "How are you?" It's like, yeah, we're talking about the ship, but how are you? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so tell me about Kaylee. I know there's gonna this is gonna take a bit. So. <laughs> I love Kaylee so much. Yeah. Um, I was telling Tyler beforehand that Firefly, like, even though I was like obviously like had seen other franchises like the Star Wars and the Star Trek, like Firefly was like the first show that I was like, oh this. Like this is different for me and my like nerd verse and I think it's because like of characters like Kaylee who got to be you know her genuine sweet innocent self while also being so confident with her sexuality and so confident with her desires while also being like the engineer of the ship and it's like that's such a cool strong female character and um she's also really fun and sweet and the whole like like I love Firefly and um I cosplay as her. Um, I put that was the first like big cosplay I ever did was Kaylee, um, and she's a great, she's a great character. Um, and rewatching Serenity for this, uh, just to kind of get a because I hadn't seen it in a minute, and just some of her one liners, even just in the movie, but like throughout the show as well, are great. Um, one of my favorite episodes episodes is Out of Gas. And, you know, getting to see a little bit more of her background, but then also just her relationship with Mal and the ship and like the formed family dynamic of it and the found family. It's just she is fantastic. And yes, I could go on and on about Kaylee, but I also think it's just interesting that she is only 20 years old and has gone through so much in her life really quickly. Like Firefly kind of takes place in about a year's time frame from beginning to Serenity. So that's a lot to happen to her in a short period of time. And you don't really know how long they've been flying together prior to that, but it probably wasn't years and years and years and years, like enough to, to form this bond. Um, But she is such a strong character while still allowing herself to be innocent and playful. And so often I think with females in pop culture, we get a lot of stereotypical roles and mm-hmm. while there is some stereotypes happening for sure, no one character is perfect, but I feel like she does fight a lot of those different stereotypes. And um, like Shindig, she, is, she gets to be all like fun and like that innocent girl, but then goes and hangs out with the guys in her lace dress and all the other girls are like, whoa, how did that happen? <laughs> like, where? Yeah. how did that happen? And she's fantastic. So that's my yes. long short answer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I uh, I was like I knew that when I would ask you that question, I could just sit back and let you go for a little. Just bit. ramble, <laughs> just ramble about yeah. my fangirling. For... Yeah, <laughs> she's a great character, and I think she's one of the like part of it is that she's one of the only truly innocent people like mm-hmm. on Serenity. Everybody else has this sort of level of danger to them, and Kaylee just seems very pure by comparison. Mm-hmm. Like the first scene we see her in is just eating a strawberry. And being like this is the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and she comes from such yeah. a different background than the others yeah um and so i i think that that is also a huge thing with her character she's just very like innocent but not in a way that is ignorant i think is the right. way to put it right like she's yeah. just such a pure person mm-hmm. and so often like if you have an innocent female character they are the baby doll they are yes. like the i need protection i don't know how to use the gun i'm not very smart but she she's very smart yeah and yeah. extremely capable yes um just also sheltered mm-hmm. <laughs> well yeah it's just that idea of like i grew up on a planet that was i would probably say like a farmer's planet like yeah. a very small you know in the wide wide world i just haven't been that many places yet yeah yeah she's great she's super fun well thank you for sharing and we'll be right back after a quick break with some more firefly slash serenity Welcome back to Stories with Drinks, where we are talking about Firefly and Serenity and the verse and all that encompasses it. I just finished off with Kaylee, and I do believe, Tyler, you have a new client. Yes, and taking uh, what you did and saying, no, we're going to start at the very beginning instead of the very end. Uh, Mm -hmm. I am working with Simon Tam. Uh, Simon is 27 years old. He is Osirian? I, he's from the planet of Osiris. I put it Osirian. That would yeah. be like how I would say it. Uh, cisgender male, heterosexual doctor, uh, currently living aboard a cargo ship with his sister and, as he describes them, a bunch of thieves. A bunch uh, of thieves. A bunch of thieves. And uh, I think that he is here to talk about, really more than anything, this overwhelming experience of distrust. And by here, I do mean telehealth. Uh, I do mean that we are talking through wave communications on a little screen and I'm not on the ship. Um, But, you know, talking to him and saying like, okay, let's talk about this experience of not being able to trust other people. And what's that about? Where's that coming from? But starting from this place of just like, what's the practical thing going on right now that is leading to this distrust of people? And it's, you know, well... My sister and I are fugitives. We're on the run. And I am living with a bunch of people who I I would consider below me for the first time in my life. Uh, He's a very affluent person. And Mm -hmm. he and his sister were both raised in a very rich environment, uh, especially for this universe um, where, you know, they had a a house on the beach. (laughs) Like, I can remember those flashbacks featuring Zac Efron. Um, I was about to and, say, like, yeah. Zach Efron. Yeah. Self. But uh, they, you know, he definitely had a very privileged upbringing. And now he finds himself in sort of the underbelly of the verse and has this immense distrust of other people and will do anything, he says, to protect his sister, even if that means having to associate with some people that are not so, uh, not so up and up. And so talking him through those things... You know, what is it like to start associating with people who are a different social class than you were raised? And it's an interesting place uh, for me because, like, I often don't talk to many people who are extremely affluent. Uh, You know, I think the interesting thing about being a private practice therapist is that your clients do have a certain amount of income. Typically, they're not, you know, they're able to pay your fee. 
So they're typically going to be middle class or upper middle class um, at the private practice level. This is actually part of the whole reason I wanted to talk about this character uh, is like talking about these sort of class dynamics because people who are going to spend more on therapy typically are going to live in more affluent areas. You're going to be a, a therapist in a more affluent area. Uh, you're going to be charging what I think is an unethical amount for therapy. Mm -hmm. um, we we live in you know the outskirts of the greater LA area, and I've heard about what some people in the Beverly Hills area charge for therapy, um, and it would make your you know your hair stand on end how much people are paying for one session of therapy. I'm talking five hundred, six hundred dollars yeah. per session, um, which uh, is you know for. For clarity's sake here, my base fee right now is 175 So, like, mm -hmm. it's a very dramatic difference. And so the clientele I see, obviously, there's wiggle room in that $175. Uh, I see some people who charge less. So, you know, I, it's a whole bit. There's but, sliding scales and conversations yeah. to be had. But in some areas of L.A., there's not that conversation. Yes. And, uh, you know, this would be a very different type of client for me as a therapist. And so I wanted to talk about that a little mm -hmm. bit as well, because his, his actual case is pretty typical, right? He's got some social anxiety. He's got some distrust of others. Let's talk about how we can build trust with other people. Maybe not every single person on the ship you're living is going to be totally trustworthy. Um, especially people like Jane who are, mm -hmm. are a little bit more of loose cannons and uh, you're not exactly sure what they're going to do. Um, but what, you know, who feels good to talk to who feels like they are trustworthy you could build some trust with them and you know he points out like the ship's mechanic seems like pretty trustworthy the um the second in command and the pilot both seem pretty you know relatively chill um compared to some of the other people and they have a shepherd on board and perhaps the shepherd would be somebody who's a little trustworthy as well um he finds that i think talking with the companion makes him a little uncomfortable because uh of social class things there, even though companions are typically highly respected, even in upper upper classes, uh, he is an awkward individual and finds talking with her awkward. Um, and I think he also finds talking to the mechanic a little awkward as well. They come from very different places, but she's one of the few people on the ship that he's like, you are at least kind of trustworthy. But the couple times he's ha tried to have conversations with her so far, they have not gone super great. Uh, he uh, accidentally insulted the ship, which in by in turn insults her. Uh, and so, you know, he is trying his best to sort of fit in here. But truly, it's about building those social skills, building confidence in himself and building trust with others and learning how to do that while being in a very dangerous situation. Mm -hmm. So that's the treatment piece. But the count, you know, the counter transference transference piece here, I think, is going to be super interesting to like talk to somebody like me who doesn't typically talk to people that are this affluent and don't come from these kinds of backgrounds. And what's it like to build trust with me? Because I'm not somebody who's super rich. Uh, gosh, we only, we only hope, right? Eventually, <laughs> maybe, but not right now. Uh, and we joke about that as therapists all the time. Most mm -hmm. people don't come into therapy for the money. Uh, yeah. That's not, yeah. If that's the case, you're going to be sorely mistaken. <laughs> um, you know, most therapists who are more affluent in in our, you know, in our field are people who are also professors on the side and doing research or, you know, oh, you know, build up 
a a caseload where they're you know running clinics that are very specified about this one thing so they can charge a lot of money or live in the Beverly Hills area and then can charge a lot of money or work in the Beverly Hills area and they can charge a lot of money. Um, and so it becomes this sort of balancing act of like, yeah, no, therapists don't make a whole lot. And so I'm, you know, I would consider myself middle class, upper middle class on a good day. Um, but what's it like to talk to this guy who comes from a very rich family and now has nothing, goes from very, very affluent to now he's a doctor on board a ship. That's what he does. And his job is not getting him paid. His job is getting him food and board and secrecy, you know. What does that look like now as you're now experiencing the verse from a very different point of view and talking through that, talking about building, you know, a relationship with somebody like me and how he can apply those same skills to somebody on the ship and pick and choose, right? I'm not going to give him the, the advice of like, go make friends with everyone. Just make sure you trust everybody. No, this is a dangerous world and a dangerous environment. A little bit of, you know, paranoia is healthy, but maybe finding people that you can trust and start to talk to and open up to might be a good thing. Um, especially while going through the trauma of, you know, finding your sister, recovering your sister, finding out she was, you know, abused and turned into a weapon and now has these psychotic breaks every once in a while where she just doesn't know where she's at, doesn't know what's happening and wants to kill everything in sight. Mm -hmm. That's just a little traumatizing, a little stressful a little anxiety provoking. So maybe just maybe you need to talk to other people beside me about some of the stuff that's going on. So that way you're not feeling alone on this ship. Like you can't trust anyone and your, your back is to a corner. Cause I think a big thing, especially in this universe and our universe as well, is that you need to be able to trust other people. Humans are social. We are, we need that connection with other people. And if you feel like you're backed into a corner and you can't trust others, that's typically a trauma response, typically an, you know, an anxiety response coming from this idea that like, I have experiences that have shown me you can't trust people and showing that like some people are, some people aren't, and it's good to know the difference and knowing how to build trust with people that you do care, like do care about you and you care about them is a big, important factor in both childhood and adult relationships children are very quick to trust because they haven't been hurt by the world yet um whereas adults sometimes we need to relearn that as we get older and learn what it means to be vulnerable with our friends um it's a really you know it's it's something i feel very privileged in having a lot of friends who are therapists so we're we're a little bit weird in that regard but like even my friends that i knew from before i was a therapist i still try to be more vulnerable more genuine with than i normally would be um, or I would have been previously. And so teaching him those skills as well, because it's important. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just say like, so often with like boundaries and friendships, I talk about like, there's different levels of friendships naturally. Like there's your coworkers and then the coworker who you would hang out after work with. And then like the friend and then the close friend and then like your best friends and your, your, your people. And you don't treat them all the same. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's okay to figure out what that looks like and how to navigate that. And it's one of those things where you're not taught that, like, it's not a thing that's explicitly taught to people. And how to show up authentically while still navigating that and trusting your instinct of vulnerability with each layer. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. And it's something that we, we, again, are just not taught in school. People don't sit you down and have an emotional intelligence class. <laughs> we should, 
um, but it's not profitable. So we don't. Uh, and instead, people struggle through adulthood with these feelings of like loneliness and feeling like they can't connect to people fully. Um, and I can, you know, share that I've had experiences like that. I've had experiences where I'm like, oh, I'm being very performative. I'm not being myself. I'm being a version of myself. I feel mm -hmm. like I have to be. I have to be the funny guy, or I have to be the loud guy. I have to be this guy, that guy, Entertain whatever. Me all the time, yeah. Tyler. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. Um, versus finding something that's a little bit more authentic to who you are, which you know, some days you are the funny person. And, you know, I, I do think that I have a very funny personality. I, I'm, I'm weird, but in a good way. And I like that. Um, but it also means that, like, some days I'm not that guy. I am just, like, tired and exhausted or sad. And I don't want to be Which, that. ironically, when we're all feeling that way together, we end up being the most, like, funniest, quote unquote, because <laughs> we're just snapping at each other. Yes. We have a great time at that. Uh, yeah. We get kind of snippy with each other. Um, which is which allowed just, in our friendship dynamic. Yeah. We have consensual conversations afterwards about we all good? We good? We did we cross any lines? <laughs> yeah, and then we talk about it afterward. Um yeah. Do it do as we say and as we do. Right. Debrief with your friends when things are rough, especially if you're roasting each other. Um, mm -hmm. because sometimes those comments can really hurt. But that's a whole sidebar thing. Um, and mostly really that is what I'd be working on this time. It's just how do you build trust with others and how do you learn that skill as an adult? Absolutely. And it's such an important skill that like, it's just not taught in any level. So no, not at all. Well, thank you. And why Simon? I just like the guy. He's <laughs> nice. He's fun. You know, he's chill. Um, I, I actually I think it was partially talking about that sort of difference in socioeconomic status, yeah. and what it means to fall from one to another. Um, or grow up from one to another. Mm -hmm. um, that is a big cultural thing that we don't often talk about, um, at least here. We talk about all sorts of other cultural issues, but we haven't really touched on socioeconomic status. Um, and, you know, what is it like to have been born very affluent and then all of a sudden you're broke, you got nothing. Yeah. Um, and also learning that, like, the world is scary and the world is dangerous and you need to be able to trust people and have people have your back. I feel like that is very applicable to people across the board. Um, if you've been traumatized in any sort of way, whether that's a little T trauma or a big T trauma, that feeling of can I trust things comes up very, very often. And so just having a conversation about it. Absolutely. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So with all that said, Firefly verse with, supporting the actors and the franchise and even like there's like the brown coat society which i'm pretty sure is still a thing that does a lot of nonprofit work there's still a lot yes. of good out there despite the one person attached to it and go find the good out there y'all thanks for listening if you like what you hear please give a like a follow a comments a five stars whatever it is share with tell your, your friends. friends yeah tell your friends Go find us on Instagram at Stories with Shrinks, where I post about our topics and then when I feel like it in between. Most of it is just different advocacy. Uh, there's a lot of advocacy right now for our transgender community. Mm -hmm. And um, please go support and show love in that world. Yeah. Um, and, and this this will give away when we're recording, but I like all the stuff you posted for uh, International Women's Day. Well, yes so yeah. i did international women's um there's even back resources throughout our um our posts but i, I do a lot in the stories for whatever particular topics are going on um mm. but go find some good out there y'all 
Bye. Take care. Stories with Shrinks is an entertainment and education podcast. Our views are our own and should not be considered canon or associated with any of the media or universes we discuss. And thank you to Purple Planet Music for our theme song, Phoenix Rising. You can find music for all your podcasting or YouTube needs at www.purple-planet.com. Mm-hmm.